if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Joshua. How many of you know, you've heard that saying that your uh, attitude determines your altitude? I came across something that uh, it says, nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal, and nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. That was Thomas Jefferson, and uh, he played an important part in penning the Declaration of Independence. I thought about sometimes, you know, we, and we thank God for America and are grateful beyond words to have been born here. But when we talk about the Declaration of Independence, sometimes we get a nature of independence. And you can't live for God independent of him. We have to be dependent on God. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I need him. I've got to have him. <clears throat> so if you have uh, your Bibles, let's start with Joshua chapter 1, starting with verses 1 and 2, then we'll go to verse 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then, everybody say only then. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, God, that it's truth and it's life. I ask, Father, that it be more than just something we read, but, God, that it become a roadmap for us, God, that we follow after with all our whole hearts. Help us, God, to be pleasing to you and to do those things that you've asked of us. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to speak to you for just a little while this morning on be strong and courageous. Everybody say strong and courageous. You know, uh, I think it was Hudson Taylor that made a statement and he said, you know, you got three choices. You can... Uh, you can follow after your plans and hope everything goes all right. You can follow, you can devise a plan and ask God to bless it. Or you can follow after God's plan and do what he asks you to do. So we have to choose which of those we're going to do. How many of you have ever found yourself asking God to bless your plan? 
You know what I'm saying? You, you got it all worked out. You got it figured out. And oh, God bless this. And sometimes we don't even seek God's blessing. Oh, this plan's so good. It's just going to work. And so we, but we need, it's so important to, when it, the scripture says, acknowledge him in all our ways and he'll direct our path. That doesn't mean to give him a nod and say, God, this is what I'm getting ready to do. It's about acknowledging him and saying, I need you to give me direction. I've got to have you. And when we do that, it changes everything. There was a story about this chief buyer for a thriving company, and he was particularly inaccessible to salespeople. He wouldn't have anything to do with him. He, he just, you didn't call him, he called you. On several occasions when salespeople managed to get into his office, they were thrown out. He, he, he wouldn't mess with them. They were just tossed out. But one saleswoman finally broke the barrier, broke down all the defenses. And what she did was she sent in a homing pigeon. And the homing pigeon went in, and she sent it to him, and the homing pigeon had a card attached to its leg. And on the card, she'd written, if you want to know more about our product, just throw our representative out the window. <laughs> How many of you know sometimes you, 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 you've got to think outside the box? You can't just go after things the way you always go after things. And God is always a God that thinks outside the box. See, one of the things that, that we wrestle with and that we struggle with is trying to figure God out. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You're never going to figure God out. He said that his ways are above our ways. So it comes down to a matter of trust and being strong and courageous. Everybody say that with me one more time. Strong and courageous. The word strong here means to seize, fixed firmly in resolution, not yielding or easily subdued. The word courageous means to be alert, steadfastly minded, to strengthen and make strong. So when you put strong and courageous, you're talking about having your mind made up, not backing up, not backing down, but standing firm in what you believe and what you know and showing yourself strong in that faith. Everybody say strong and courageous. Now, keep in mind what's happening with Joshua. Moses has just died He's leading. This isn't about leading a handful of people. He's got probably two, three million people that he is leading. And, and they have, these folks have seen everything that's happened and everything that God did. And at the end of the day, a bunch of them died in the wilderness because they wouldn't trust God. Now, Moses is being retired. He, the Lord told him, you're not going to take the people over. You're going to be gathered together with your ancestors. And he tells Joshua, you're going to lead. I mean, just for a second, put on those shoes and think about what Joshua had experienced for the last 40 years in the wilderness. A bunch of rebellious, headstrong, stiff-necked people that wouldn't listen to God. And now he just inherited them. <laughs> I mean, can you, can you imagine Moses or Joshua's going, oh, man, yeah, this is what I was waiting for. He's probably going, oh, Lord God, man, I don't. And so the Lord speaks to him, and three times, three times God tells him, you be strong and courageous. Amen. What's God doing? 
God is letting Joshua know the task that you have isn't an easy task. But you need to understand that I'm with you. And if I'm with you, then that's more than enough. So you stand up and you believe and you exert authority. You show yourself strong and courageous trusting in me. Where we fall apart in our lives is when God is asking us to do things and then all of a sudden a storm comes out of nowhere and instead of being strong and courageous, we crimple and fall apart and we can't figure out why nobody else is following. See, your faith has got to be loud enough, and I'm not talking about arrogant, Your faith has got to be loud enough in your manner of life and the confidence that people see in you when it comes to you serving God and your ability to believe that God can take care of it and God doesn't always take care of it the way you want him to. And so God has instructed him here, you're going to lead this people. You're going to deliver them into the land that I promised Now, you be strong and courageous, and you need to understand that I'm going to be with you. I'll never abandon you. You be strong and courageous. The enemy won't be able to stand against you. You be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When I started doing mission works back once upon a time, and I I, I was in Russia, the, the first mission field I went into was Russia. And I was in Russia as part of a team. And then after I left, all of a sudden, I feel God telling me to go back and lead a team. I'm thinking, man, are you kidding? I was just, I was just a peon on the team I was on. I was just, you know, I, I, I was just there, you know. It was the hand of God that I even wound up there. And then all of a sudden, God says, you go back. And so I said, okay, God, I'll go back and trying to wrap my mind around that. I don't know how I'm going to do this. But I knew that if God told me, he'd make a way for me. And it was amazing how things just all started coming together. Amen. Debbie was looking at me when we got ready to make that second trip. And she said, what are we going to do for money while you're gone? We, you know, you're not preaching. What are we going to do for money? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> But I I know God will work it out, and and I just kept walking forward, believing that God was going to work it out, not having a clue how he was going to do it. And we were getting really close to the trip coming off, and I'm thinking, and she's saying, honey, I need it. And I'm praying, God, I know you you got this. You wouldn't put all this together. And all of a sudden, I get a paper in the mail, and it's, it's from the travel agency, and it's got our, you know, the tickets and the itinerary, and it says, Rick McNeely, American Tour Guide. And I thought, what? Uh, Because we've got people going that aren't part of the group. I mean, there are like 13 other Americans that are going. This is in 1993, and it's just opened up. And and I'm thinking, what are you doing? And I called up that travel agent. I said, man, what is going on? You've got me listed as the American Tour Guide. She said, well, they're afraid to send people over there without 
an American to represent them. And since you've been there before, I said, man, I am not going to be the tour guide. I said, I'm going over there to do mission work. I'm not going over there to try and take care of a bunch of folks. I said, I can't do this. She said, well, they're going to comp your trip. I said, I would love to be the American tour guide. Sign me up. And so that was that then all of a sudden that money, that $2,000 that it was going to cost me to go there, I was able to leave at home. God is always with you wherever you go. And he has a tendency. See, here's our, here's our deal. We want to know way in advance. And that's not how God works because that's not faith. If you know about it, you know how everything's going to work out. It doesn't take any faith to believe that. But when you, you don't know how and you're just hanging on and just walking it out, it causes something to happen to your spirit, man, where all of a sudden you just reach yourself around and you throw yourself in an abandonment on God and saying, Lord, I trust you. I, I know you're going to take care of this. And so Joshua has this laid in his lap. And he, he's told to go, and when he gets ready to go, all, all these people that, you know, that he's had trouble with, but then all of a sudden God starts to do some things. He says, tomorrow I'm going to elevate you in the sight of all Israel. <laughs> How are you going to do that? And he takes them down to a Jordan River, a river that has overrun its banks. And he said, Joshua, now this is what I want you to get. Joshua is never at a place where he's having to figure out what to do. God is always telling Joshua what to do. And as long as Joshua isn't afraid to speak out what God is telling him, it's all going to work out. Amen. Oh, you've been there, haven't you? Where all of a sudden God spoke something to you and you, you spend the rest of the day trying to figure that out. Amen. And you, you, you're, you're not about to speak it out until you figure it out. And that's not how God works. God's saying, look, you're either going to trust me or you're not. He said, now you tell them you tell the priest to go down there and carry the Ark of the Covenant and to step their feet into that Jordan River. <laughs> so Joshua would just say, hey, you priests, go down there and... <laughs> he doesn't know what's going to happen. Go down there and step into Jordan River. And all of a sudden when they did, the waters of the Jordan rolled back for Joshua the way the Red Sea had rolled back for Moses. And the Bible said that that day that the people of Israel held Joshua in great honor and they honored him and they followed him like they had Moses. Folks, we, we spend so much energy trying to work things out and trying to figure things out and all God is wanting us to do is trust him. Be strong and courageous. Everybody say strong and courageous. So he goes and they get ready to go against Jericho and he gets the instruct. Well, matter of fact, he's, he's riding out the camp and he's riding out of the camp and he sees this guy on a horse 
and he, he's got a sword, and he rides up to him, and he said, hey, are you for us or are you against us? And the guy looked at him and said, I'm neither one. I'm the captain of the Lord's host. And man, Joshua just plants his face on the ground, and he says, what do you want me to do? Those are beautiful words. When all of a sudden we find ourselves saying, God, what do you want me to do? And, and, and when that happens, it changes everything. And so he instructs him what to do. He goes back and he, he takes the children of Israel out. We're going around Jericho's walls once every day for six days. The priests are going to sound the trumpet. We're not saying a word. On the seventh day, we're going around seven times. And we're not saying a word. But the, trees are, the priests are going to blow those trumpets. And on that last go-around, when I give you the signal, I want you to shout because the Lord is going to give you the city. If you would hit that picture. And so they do what they were asked to do. And when they shouted, and that Ark of the Covenant had gone before them, and those priests are blowing those horns, and all the people have been doing this. And don't you know that for the last six days, they all been thinking to themselves, man, Moses never did it like this. We've never conquered any city. This don't make any sense to me. But that's why he said you can't say a word. How many of you know that without faith, it's impossible to please God? And the Bible says that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So worry is sin. How many of us sin a lot? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? We, 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 we don't think about it that way, but we, we, we are constantly finding ourselves worrying, and we don't even recognize that that's sin because it's not a faith. And so he's telling them, march around, and when, and when they shouted, they saw the results of what happens when you obey God. Somebody say, just obey God. Okay, I'm going to have to jump up here because I'm, I'm and if you turn it, it tune into the second service I'm going to go into a little bit more detail with this but anyway the, the Joshua okay Joshua does this they, they get ready to go to the next place that to conquer and it's AI everybody say AI there's about 12,000 people in that city and they 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 go to take that city and matter of fact they say we don't need to send the whole army up here just send a few we'll be able to handle it they get whipped. 36 people die. And Joshua, be strong and courageous. The first thing Joshua does, Joshua begins to blame God. Listen to this, Joshua 7, 6 to 9. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing to dismay threw dust on their heads and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we'd been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they'll surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth and then what will happen to honor and then what will happen to the honor of your great name? 
Joshua is reverting back to the way all the people had been prior to coming in to the promise. They kept saying, would to God that we'd stayed in Egypt. Why didn't we just stay in Egypt? We could have we died in Egypt. Why did you bring us out in this wilderness to die? And he finds himself reverting back. Now, let's make this real. How many of us have ever found ourselves in a situation where something happened that devastated us and we didn't understand and we start blaming God for it and, and throwing it up in the face of God and saying, how could you let this happen? What's going on? I want you to hear God's response to Joshua. Starts in verse 10 of the same chapter. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They've stolen some of the things that I commanded them must be set apart for me. And they've not only stolen them, but they've lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says, hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from from among you. The Bible says in James that an un, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So while Joshua is throwing off on God, God looks at Joshua and says, get up off your face. I haven't changed my mind. I told you I would always be with you. You need to, instead of blaming me for it, you need to start searching why this happened. And God just lays it out. Man, Achan is discovered. God points him out, and they take him and his entire family and stone them. And you think, boy, that's pretty rough. Achan was responsible for 36 men dying. What happens when we grow weak in faith and we're no longer strong and courageous? We don't tell people about God. And if we don't tell people about God, how are they ever going to hear about God? I wonder how many folks slip through the cracks of this life because someone wasn't strong and courageous, because someone was more afraid about being rejected than about just doing what God ask them to do. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, I need you. No, 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 no. Come on. Point them out. I need you. Get a finger right up in their face. I need you. What are you saying? I'm saying that trusting God isn't an option. I need you to trust God because it may be your prayers that deliver me. I need you to trust God because it may be your prayer that brings me out of a pit I'm in. I thank God for your prayers last week when I was in the, or the, the week before when I was in the hospital. I felt those prayers. And I thought, I told Debbie, man, I had my shoes on, I had my pants on, I was getting ready to walk out of that place. Everybody say, be strong and courageous. God has commanded us to be strong and courageous. Look at David. If you would throw that picture up. There's a giant trying to intimidate those around you, members of your own family, those you hold dear and love. Goliath had come out for 40 days, sending, send a man, a man to fight. And he paralyzed an entire nation. 
There wasn't one in the army that would go out. And as long as the giant goes unanswered, everyone will remain in turmoil and paralyzed with fear. When David faced down Goliath, it inspired an entire nation of people to reclaim their faith and fight. The problem is, is that when our eyes are on Goliath, we say, how in the world could I hit him? But when your eyes are on God, you say, how in the world could I miss him? <laughs> when all of a sudden, that's exactly what David did. David said, you come to me. I mean, Goliath is mouthing him and running him down. You, you, you send a kid out here. Come here, boy. I'm going to tear you up. I'll feed you to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. And David looked at him and said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord the God of Israel and today he is going to oh come on today he's going to deliver you into my hand be strong and courageous people say well well you know we but what are we supposed to do? he grabbed a stone and a sling somebody said well you know that, that that's not possible do you know that a stone that weighs a quarter pound one quarter pound when it is catapulted out of a sling it strikes whatever you're aiming at at 200 miles an hour. Goliath didn't know what hit him. <laughs> he, he's stepping up and David's running toward him. Be strong and courageous. Who, I, love, I love it when he said, who does he think he is to find the armies of the living God and something inside of that boy begin to well up and say, my God is so much bigger than you are. You're no match for him. You think I'm afraid of you? There was a lion that came after my sheep. There was a bear that came after my sheep. God delivered them into my hand and you're not any different. Oh, come on, somebody. You need to look at the giant's in your life and say you're no match for my God because when you begin to take out giants you inspire other people to face their giants how many of you know we all got some and when people see you take on your giant it gives them the courage to take on they're a giant. I want to show you this. I, I want to show you that this is so. Because David would become the king of Israel. But David was a warrior. And he was a worshiper. And people didn't know how to handle that. You know, they could handle a guy with a harp in his hand, you know, and a tunic on. But when that same guy whips out a sling and knocks your head off, pulls out a sword and decapitates you, takes you out and doesn't bleak an eye, they don't know how to deal with that. God didn't just make us worshipers. He made us warriors. And, I, and you need to hear what I'm going to say. It's impossible for you to be a worshiper and not be a warrior. 
and it's impossible for you to be a warrior and not be a worshiper. Do you understand? They go hand in hand because when all of a sudden you begin to worship God, it causes the warrior inside of you to begin to come alive. And when you begin to fight the battles of the Lord, it makes you begin to worship and say, thank you, God, for what you've done. Don't think for a minute that David wasn't worshiping God while he was on that battlefield. He was letting that giant know, you're not intimidating me. You're not impressing me. My God is more than enough. Later, the 23rd chapter of Samuel, the second Samuel, the 23rd chapter, it, start, it, it says, these be the last words of David. And David begins to reflect on his life. And then it goes down to his mighty men. These are men he inspired. These are men that saw him be strong and courageous, and they became strong and courageous. And it calls the top three out by name. It tells about a man whose name was Adino. And he lifted up his spear against 800 men at one time. What was he doing? He was saying, my God is a mighty God. Be strong and courageous. Can I tell you that there aren't enough demons in hell to stand against you when you are in the will of God, when you are walking after him and doing what he's asking you to do? They cannot stop you. Another man's name was Eleazar, and he stood with David when the entire Israelite army had fled. And they fought that day, and it says that Eleazar fought until his hand cleaved to the sword. In other words, he, he fought so valiantly that day that he, they had to pry the sword out of his hand, but he was standing with David. Sometimes we miss that. David hadn't run. All the Israelite army had run, but David was standing. And David inspired Eleazar to stand with him. And together, those two took out that army. And the others only showed up when it came time to plunder the goods. There'll always be people that want to reap the reward of the battle and never engage in it. But my friend, the glory and the honor belongs to the victor. Who is that victor? Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the one that brings us the victory. The last one that, that talked about, his name was Shama, and he stood in the middle of a bean patch and defended it against an army. When everybody else had fled, he defended that bean patch. And you think, why in the world would you defend a bean patch? Because maybe it was his bean patch. Let me say it this way. If it's your family, how valiantly are you going to fight? Are you just going to roll over and say, well, I guess that's it. I guess 
So I, I was looking at a clip, and I, I started to show it, but I thought, well, I, I thought maybe I ought not show this. But it was, they, they, there were a man and uh, his wife in a house, in their house, and all of a sudden, it's like one in the morning, and she was sitting on the couch looking at her phone, and all of a sudden they heard a big bang, and they thought it was the neighbors that lived you know, downstairs. And, but what had happened is the guy had kicked open their door. And all of a sudden they came up the stairs and he had a shotgun and he told that guy, he said, you sit down right now. And then he turned around and he saw the guy's wife on the couch and the guy swung the shotgun around and pointed it at his wife. And when he did, that guy come running into that room, grabbed that shotgun and they started wrestling and he would not let go of that shotgun. He literally fell down and the, the, the burglar is trying to get out and he's going down the stairs and the guy's got the shotgun and he won't let go and he's dragging him and finally he loses the shotgun and he takes off and then he's got the audacity to come back and beat on the door and say give me my shotgun back and he said are you out of your mind and he pointed that shotgun at him and the police had been called and they picked the guy up my point is this he said it all just happened instantaneously I really wasn't thinking about what I was doing. It was just motivation. Be strong and courageous. This is my family, and you're not going to touch them. This is my bean patch, and you can't have it. This is my promise, and I'm not going to let you steal it from me. Be strong and courageous. Would you stand with me today? Later, David would find himself in a stronghold. The Philistines had seized Bethlehem. And he just on a, a whim said, Oh, that someone would get me to drink from the well that's inside of Bethlehem's gate. <laughs> and those three men heard what he said. And they never stopped and asked a question. They jumped up and they charged the Philistines line. They broke through and three men broke through an army with swords clashing. As one of them drew water from the well and they ran back and broke back through and gave it to David. And David looked at that water and he said, I can't drink this. He said, this would be like drinking your blood. He said, because you risked your life for it. He said, no, this offering belongs to God. And he poured it out before the Lord. Be strong and courageous. The devil keeps trying to intimidate you and get you to be silent. He's trying to stop what God has begun in your life. And God is saying, be strong and courageous. For I am with you wherever you go. Don't seek your own plan. Don't ask God to bless some idea you came up with. But you say, God, here I am. Use me. Send me. And hear me 
when your friends and your family see you take on the giant, they're going to start taking on some giants of their own. Let's pray together today. Father, we thank you for your love and your goodness. We ask you to have your way. We stand before you and openly acknowledge that we're in desperate need of you. That God, I understand that without you, I'm nothing. But I also understand that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So whether I'm in a valley or on a mountain, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to remain strong and courageous because that's what you've called me to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house. Go out and tell somebody about him and tell them to be strong and courageous. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week.